Would you turn over in your Bibles, Second Samuel? We've been looking at the topic of honoring God, but here we're, we're going through the life of David. One of the things that we're doing here in this is not only do you get to learn about honor, but you also get to learn some things about David. David is one of the primary figures in the Word of God, but there's a lot of things we can learn from him, and it has been a number of years since we've gone through many of the things that David had gone through. My wife was talking to me before about uh, a particular church that she had found online, and it was talking how they were an end times church, and they were preparing people for the end times. And I said, well, how do they expect to do that? And so she told me some of the things that were going on with that. I says, well, that's not going to get anybody ready for end times. And so it made me think, how do you get people ready for the end times? How many would like to know, how do you get people ready for the end times? Whenever Jesus taught about the end times, do you remember how he started? Be careful that you are not deceived. Do you remember when Paul addressed the end times? Do you remember how he addressed the people? Be careful that no one deceives you. Jesus would said that in the end times, many will come in my name and will deceive a couple of people. Now, how many did he say? Many. You see, the end times church is going to be open to deception. Because another part in the Word of God says they have itching ears and they heap to themselves teachers that teach what they want. If you want to get ready for the end times, you've got to hear hard words. You've got to hear words that are filled with meat, not words that are filled with milk. And you've got to have words that are teaching you what the Word of God teaches, not what men say about it. If you want to be prepared, that's how you do it. So stay prepared. Get yourselves ready. End times is upon us. And as uh, one person said very uh, wisely, no matter when the end times comes, we are closer to it now than the, the people in the past were. <laughs> so we are close to it. But here in looking at this series on, on honor, we saw a few weeks ago that David said of the man who brought him the head of Saul, how were you not afraid? One of the things when you learn how to walk in honor, you will become fearful of doing things that some people do casually. Oh, no, I can't. I'm not getting involved. With, I am not doing that sort of thing. Mm-mm, no, because I know what the what the responsibilities are from the Word. I know what the Word teaches on that. I know. No, I don't get in there. You see, the reason that most people get involved in sin is because they don't have that fear. They don't have that fear of the Lord. They don't have that fear of the things He says, Thou shalt not, then you, you, you don't. There are some things in this world I fear. Electricity is one. I have a healthy respect for electricity. There are some things I will do with electricity as long as the power is off. Now, you people that are electricians, you'll get in there with the power on and and mess with it. I am not that way. I have too much respect. I am making sure everything is off. I don't want no power coming into me. I've had that happen. and I I don't like it. But uh, some people have more knowledge and that sort of thing might, uh, might be able to do that. But that's how we ought to get when we look at things like gossip. When we get to things like uh, thinking the least, thinking the worst, coming up with assumptions. The more we walk in honor, the more we see that this isn't so. And there's not one level of honor. There's not two levels of honor. There's not three levels of honor. You walk in a level of honor, 
and you can see the next level. You learn about it, and then you start walking in that. And then when you walk in there, you learn more about God. Because you're at a different, a higher, higher viewpoint now. And then you can see the next level above that. You couldn't even see that level before. And then you start studying that, and you start walking in that. And, and you, that's how you grow in this. People rose up against Moses. It should have caused them fear. Instead, they, they did it casually. He rose up against Elijah, Elisha, Jesus, Paul. They, had, they didn't say any problem with this. Rebellion began because they saw a reward to be gained. That's when rebellion will come along. I see a greater reward here. You see, when you walk in that level of honor, when you walk in that high honor, you begin to see there's a reward for me staying in honor and not moving off into this other stuff and not pursuing these other things. We need to be afraid to speak evil. When we move into a higher walk of honor, we will see things differently. Our motivation becomes intensified. I become more motivated to change how I act, how I speak, how I think, how all this becomes much more intensified. My contentment level will increase the more honor you walk in. If you are not content with where you are, then your level of honor is not where it should be. You need to walk in more. Our patience will increase because my understanding of where people are increases. Because I, I don't look at them and say, oh, you poor pitiful thing. I look at them and say, you can't see this. And I understand that. And so I see, you, you can't see what, what's going on here. And so we help them. You know, when you have the little kids and they're, they're down here, you're up here. They can't see up here. And so you can see things that they can't see. And so you don't yell at them and say, hey, why did you do that? Didn't you see? No, they didn't. They're down here. And you come after them with more compassion. And see, that's the compassion that God wants us to have. But the more honor you walk in, the more that will happen for you. Most people are trying to force patience into their life. And they get frustrated. And they put on a good air about themselves. But that's not what God wants you to do. The higher I go in the walk of honor, the less focused I am of other people's shortcomings. I have more patience with them. Now, last week we saw that honor promotes honor while dishonor only increases itself. We saw that David had a promise of the kingdom. He was told to go down to Hebron and all he received down there was the tribe of Judah. All the rest of them went, went to Saul. But we're going to take a look at some things in this area of honor. And for those who come out on Wednesday nights, we're actually tying in some things from Wednesday in on this too. But in 2 Samuel chapter 3, we're going to begin at verse 6. If you want to read the previous verses, you're going to see that uh, David had more and more wives. He was multiplying himself wives, and that also meant he was multiplying some kids to himself too. Now it was so, while there was war between the house of Saul and the house of David, that Abner was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. Now Abner was a relative of the house of Saul, but he was strengthening his hold on the house of Saul. Who is supposed to have the stronghold on the house of Saul? Would it not be the person who is king? Whose hold does David have on his house? Who has hold of David's house? David. David does. But here in this one, we don't see that. When Saul dies, who took hold of the house of David? Solomon. He took hold of that. Here you have the, the son of Saul taking over. 
but the the strength is put into Abner. And Saul had a concubine whose name was Rizpah, the daughter of Ayah. So Ishbosheth said to Abner, Why have you gone into my father's concubine? Then Abner became very angry at the words of Ishbosheth and said, Am I a dog's head that belongs to Judah? Today I show loyalty to the house of Saul, your father, to his brothers and to his friends, and have not delivered you into the hand of David. And you charge me today with a fault concerning this woman. May God do so to Abner and more also. People always like to bring God into it, right? If I do not do for David as the Lord has sworn to him to transfer the kingdom from the house of Saul and set up the throne of David over Israel and over Judah from Dan to Beersheba. And he could not answer Abner another word because he feared him. The king was afraid of someone who is under him. What do you think about that? This, this man who's supposed to be king is afraid of someone who's supposed to be in his service. And Abner says, I'm gonna, I'm gonna make David king. I've been working to keep you king. I'm gonna go over there and make David king as the Lord has sworn to him. So we talked about it last week, but you can see here beyond any shadow of a doubt, Abner knows what the will of God is. What is the will of God? That David would become king. He knows it. Abner is deliberately fighting against the will of God. Is that a walk of honor? It is not. Abner is not the most honorable of men. He has some good qualities to him. But he is going against what he knows to be the call of God. Abner was there when David slew Goliath. Abner was there when he went out before Saul and slayed his tens of thousands that the women would sing about. Abner was there. Abner was in charge of the army. Abner saw all these things. He saw the hand of the Lord with him. David even charged him one, one time, the second time that David had gone in and spared Saul's life, he called out to Abner. Abner, how come you're not watching over the king? Abner knows David. Abner knows that David has been given the kingdom and Abner is fighting against it. Probably because if he puts David in charge, he no longer has the sway in the kingdom that he has here. I don't know if you can believe this or not, but some people are so motivated by having power that they will do things that will harm others and go against the things of God just to have it. You probably haven't seen anybody like that here today. <laughs> but there are people out there, and there certainly were in, the, in the, the Bible days. So there was a long war between the north and the south. Verse 1 told us that. And here we have division over this. Now, more than likely, this is the last straw for Abner in a series of things because Ishbosheth, really, he is, uh, he is not a great guy. There's really nothing kingly about him. Saul overlooked him for the kingdom. Jonathan way outshattered, uh, outshattered him. He was far better. And, uh, Saul was looking to put Jonathan in. Ishbosheth, we saw when they went to war, he was 40 years old and he's back home. Why in the world is he back home? Obviously, he's not very fit warrior, or he would have been out there with the other three sons who died. Verse 12, Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf to David, saying, Whose is the land, saying also, Make your covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. Look at this. Then Abner sent messengers on his behalf. Whose behalf? On his own? He sent these messengers on behalf of the king. 
And later on, you're going to find out that David responds back to Ishbosheth because the message came from, as it's represented, Ishbosheth, but actually Abner sent it. And he says, Whose is the land, saying also, Make your covenant with me, and indeed my hand shall be with you to bring all Israel to you. Now this is the dangerous thing that he is saying here. You probably can't quite understand from the way it's worded here, but this is what he is saying. Abner is saying this to David. You may have the promise, but I've got the goods. You may have the promise from God, but I've got the power to make it happen. Ooh. He says, whose land is this? Well, I believe it's God's. I don't think Abner thinks so. And David said, good, I will make a covenant with you. But one thing I require of you, you shall not see my face unless you first bring Micah, Saul's daughter, with you. Come to my, come to see my face. So David sent messengers to Ishbosheth, Saul's son, saying, give me my wife, Micah, who whom I betrothed to myself for a hundred foreskins of the Philistines. I want you to take a look at something here. I went through and did a did a search on this. You can go home and do it yourself. Go ahead and home and do a search for Ishbosheth. You will find out something about this. He is not referred to as king. He is not called the king of Israel. He has said that he was made king. But he is not the king of Israel. Here in this verse, do you see how it referred to him? The son of Saul. He didn't call him king, did he? Uh-huh. You see, when you illegitimately take the throne, God does not see you as king. Who is the legitimate king? David. He's the one that God called. He's the one that God anointed. Why is Ishbosheth in that place? This is important. This is where you see some of the merge from Wednesday into here. Ishbosheth is king because certain people went against the plan of God and made him king. That's why he's king. He is not king for any other reason. If it was not for Abner and him pushing this and maybe some other people along there as well, this wouldn't have happened. Ishbosheth was not strong enough to make this happen. And the entire kingdom would have been over in David's side. There would not have been the civil war that they had. There would not have been the, the war of the north and the south that had gone on for long years, it said, which was probably about six or seven years this war had gone on. It only happened because people made a decision, we're not going this way. And they forced an issue. They forced the person in power that God did not call, God did not appoint, but they put him in there anyway. And now Abner is tired of him. So he says, I'm going to go over here and, and give my allegiance to David. So David says, all right, but if you don't come without my wife. He's got about a half dozen of them now, but he wants her too. So Ishbosheth sent and took her from her husband, from Patil, the son of Laish. And then her husband went along with her to Burham weeping behind her. So Abner said to him, go return. And he returned. Not the king. Abner. You're going to see that most of the authority in the north is done through Abner. Ishbosheth says very little. I put, I think I put in your outline here for a little bit later on, but I put in a note in there. Who is running the kingdom? You ever wondered that? 
Sometimes who is running the kingdom? Here is a certain time where, all right, Ishbosheth, he might be king, but he's not running the kingdom. So David requests her. He had, uh, this is his first wife. He had some affection for her. She was given to another man. And he went off and he got his own wife. But he says, no, I'm not coming back there until we, we have her. Now imagine this. If you're, uh, if you're Macah and you were once married to David and he was all yours. And now he insists that you come on back and now you're sharing him with six other women. And there's going to be some more added as well. David's not done. I saw that there is, uh, if you go back into the verses that we skipped, two, three, four, and five, you will see that there's one wife who is called his wife. And there's a name there, and I forgot the name. But if you look at that in your, in your reference there, there's a Jewish tradition, a Jewish thing that is passed on, that that is a nickname for Makkah. And that she is referred to as the wife. Because I guess she was the first. There's nothing in Scripture that would teach me that. There's nothing in Scripture that would show me that. This is just something that the Jewish folks passed on down. But generally, they're, they're pretty right in, in a lot of that stuff. So I just pass that on to you. So he says, go on home. So he goes on home. Now remember, Abner is not a man of honor. He does some honorable things. But he's not a man of honor. So David's going to meet with him and make a covenant, or at least a league and a union. He asked for a covenant. We don't see that word covenant pop up again. But in verse 22, oops, I, I messed up on, on that. I didn't copy my other ones. Can you pull up verse 17? I need 17 up to 21 up there. Now Abner had communicated with the elders of Israel, saying that in times past you were seeking for David to be king over you. Look at this, what Abner says. In times past... This is the elders of Israel he's talking to. These are the northern people. These are the people, the, the sub-leaders. Abner is talking to them. Look what he says. In time past, you were seeking David to be king over you. Uh-huh. So the elders of Israel wanted David to be king. Abner did not. How does Abner get his way? How does Abner get his way over all this? Over all the, the other people who didn't apparently want a different direction. Do you remember Abner's position? He is the general. He is head over the army. Do what I say. I got the army behind me. There was probably a little bit of force going on during this time in the northern kingdom. And people had to come along and comply with what Abner wanted because he had the army on his side. So in time past, you were seeking for David to be king over you. Verse 18. Now then, do it. All right, now you got the okay. Abner saying, go ahead and do it. For the Lord has spoken of David saying, by the hand of my servant David, I will save my people Israel from the hand of the Philistines and the hand of all their enemies. Isn't that great? He quotes scripture. Nothing bugs me more than you see one of those unrighteous uh, people in government who are doing all manner of unrighteous thing all of a sudden come out and quote scripture like they understood it. Most times they don't even understand it right. I've heard some actually quote some scriptures not even in the Bible. They don't even know their Bible well enough to know it wasn't in there. But this is what he's doing. He's going to quote scripture 
And he's going to tell them, you know, this is the will of God. Well, why is he suddenly on the will of God's side? Because it wasn't working out for him the way he was going before. A lot of people will go God's way when it doesn't work for them to go their own way. So he sees it's going to work out better for me to go this way. 19. And Abner also spoke in the hearing of Benjamin. Then Abner also went to speak in hearing of David in Hebron, all that seemed good to Israel and the whole house of Benjamin. So Benjamin, of course, is where Saul is from. So Abner and 20 men with him came to David at Hebron, and David made a feast for Abner and the men who were with him. So we're going to do this over food. You know, even today, most things are done over food. Verse 21. Then Abner said to David, I will arise and go and gather all Israel to my lord the king, that they may make a covenant with you, and that you may reign over all that your heart desires. So David sent Abner away, and he went in peace. Now, here's my question when I read this. Why does David partner with someone like Abner, who has been fighting against David being king for all these years, who has divided this kingdom, and basically is ruling the north, even though he is not a king? He's a relative of Saul, but he's not the king. He does not have an official position. He is just taking one. Why does David get into this this league? Well, this is where I told you we're going to see a little overlap from Wednesday. Because in, on, on Wednesday, we saw that, that Joseph was in a place to... Uh, he was, you know, one of the favorite sons, the favorite son. And then, of course, they jumped on him and they put him in a, in a prison. And they put him in a hole. And they sent him down into Egypt so he could be a slave. Men did things against the will of God. The brothers sold Joseph into slavery against the will of God. God didn't ordain that. God didn't plan that. God had no hand in that. They did. Joseph is in the position he is in when we finally are where we're up to him right now in prison because of decisions that men have made. Ishbosheth and Israel is in this turmoil, this north-south thing because of decisions that men have made. Now, God won't come over and make you make the right decision. He won't make you get born again. He won't make you get healed. That's up to you. you got to decide to do it. So these people, you know, those songs that are out there, we've talked, I talked about them recently. Those songs that are out there, God is in control. I hate them. They, I despise every one of them. I, I hear that thing come on the radio. I turn it off. I'd rather listen to nothing. Brother Hagen used to tell us sometimes you just rather listen to a donkey braying than some of that other stuff. Just, just don't, don't be listening, <clears throat> don't be listening to that. Now I don't believe that things happen in which God, God gets surprised. Oh, I know what I'm going to do now. No, no matter what people do, God will bring about what He wants to do. Amen. That's how good He is. Well, verse 22, at that moment, the servants of David and Joab came from a raid and brought much spoil with them. So they're still going out there in raids, defeating people, taking their stuff, bringing it home. But Abner was not with David in Hebron, for he had sent him away and he had gone in peace. So David meets with Abner while Joab is out in the battle. David's not out there in the battle. Joab's out there in the battle. When Joab and all the troops that were with him had come, they told Joab, saying, Abner, the son of Ner, came to the king 
and he sent him away and he has gone in peace. Now it's nice to know that back in the Old Testament they had the same problem that we have. They told him. Who are they? How many times have you ever heard people say, well they said, you know, they said it's going to rain today. They who? I don't know. And it's gotten even worse now. I don't listen to the news people, but every once in a while a clip makes my way. And they start quoting people to back up something they're going to do, but they don't tell you who it is. Anonymous sources. Really? So you don't have to tell us who it was. No, I don't believe anonymous sources. If it's legitimate, then that person needs to stand up and, and make it legitimate. Don't give me this anonymous sources stuff. You can say anything you want to and say, well, somebody told it to me anonymously. Uh-huh. Don't listen to that. And that's scriptural. The Word of God says on the basis of two or three witnesses, every word will be established. So don't ever listen to one with one witness and certainly don't listen to it when they only put a name to it. Just laugh and go on. I don't care if it's news that you like or news that you don't like. Sometimes we have news that we like and well, I'll, I'll go ahead and listen to that. No. Don't get into the habit of it. So Joel comes back and they send, said to him, Hey, while you were gone, Abner came in. There was a big feast. David sat down and they made an agreement. And Abner's going to go back up to the north and bring the northern tribes into the fold with David. And Joab is furious. Now he's furious for a couple of reasons. One, Abner is the man who killed his brother. He doesn't like that a whole lot. But beside that, Joab is not the most spiritual of people. We've, we've talked to you about that. He's, he's got his problems. But he is a fantastic general. And a lot of David's success is uh, at the hand of Joab. And a lot of times, David doesn't even go out in battles. He just lets Joab go because he is just anointed to take Israel out into battle. Does a phenomenal job with it. But Joab is incredibly loyal to the house of David. Incredibly loyal to the house of David. And he knows that Abner coming in, this is not going to go well. Abner does what is good for Abner. And if it's good for you too, that's fine. But he's going to do what's good for Abner. So Joab came to the king and said, what have you done? Look, Abner came to you. Why is it that you sent him away and he has already gone? This is the man who has brought Israel into civil war. This is the man who has set up a throne contrary to yours. This is the man who has empowered a plan that goes against the plan of God. And you had him here and you let him go. This man is not a friend of God. This man has shown himself to be an enemy of God. And you let him go. Now, this is not exactly in there, but you can see this in the passage. David doesn't go to Joab and say, Joab, while you're gone, I want to let you know I made some decisions. Joab hears about it. And then Joab comes to David. He didn't go out and just do something. He came to David. David, why did you let this go on? You know this is not going to be good. I'm here to protect you. I'm here to protect this kingdom. I'm here to protect what God has called this to be. And, and you did this. I mean, he's had a, 
sit on the sidelines while David had the enemy in his hands twice and David doesn't kill him. Two times. And Joab had to be okay with this because David says, no, I can't raise my hand against the Lord's anointed. Well, now we got somebody who's not the Lord's anointed. And he's going against the things of God. And David, you have executed people because they lied about killing Saul. This is a man who has done things against the kingdom of God and people in Israel have died because of him. And you let him go. He's mad. Surely you realize that Abner the son of Nair came to deceive you to know you're going out and you're coming in and to know all that you are doing. Now, don't think that he's here to deceive him to try and figure out how we can win a battle against David and get Saul's kingdom established. No, he's already given up on Saul's kingdom. He's going to come on in here, weasel his way into the kingdom, weasel his way into the government, weasel his way into the leadership, and he is going to undermine this leadership the same way that he did with Ishbosheth, so that the king was afraid of him. Why in the world are you doing this? Why are you bringing this stuff about? So he's upset with them. Verse, where do we leave off at? 25. And when Joah had gone from David's presence, he sent messengers after Abner who brought him back from the well of Syrah. But David did not know it. Now when Abner had returned to Hebron, Joab took, took him aside in the gate to speak with him privately and there stabbed him in the stomach so that he died for the blood of Asahel his brother. Afterward, when David heard it, he said, My kingdom and I are guiltless before the Lord forever of the blood of Abner and the son of Ner. Now it says here he killed him because of, of that, but I, when we get to heaven, we can find out. I'm not sure if we can ask Joab. I'm not sure if he's there. He might be. But there's some things that just kind of, I'm not sure. But that's okay. That's management's decision. It's not ours. We'll get there. We'll find out. If not, we can talk to some other people. They'll help us out with that. But he kills them. And this thing is, is staved off. You see, because what happened was, this comes out later on, David made an agreement with him. You go ahead and bring the northern tribes in. I'm going to make you ruler. I'm going well, to make you commander over the army here. That's their agreement. So Abner didn't go away empty-handed. He said, "What will you basically, what will you give me if I bring you the kingdom of the north? Well, I'll let you have the same position that you have there. Fine, that's good. We can do this. So this is the agreement. Joab right now is out of a job. Now, if you're Joab, you've been put out of a job by a guy that you've been beating on the battlefield. How would you feel about that? How would you feel about if you were on your work and they replaced you with somebody that you've been outperforming. You wouldn't feel too good about that, would you? This is what David is doing. Now, why does David do it? Because David knows he is called to have the northern and southern tribes together. He knows he is called to be king over all of them. And so far, this hasn't been happening. And here, someone is handing him a way to get it done. Does this sound familiar? Remember when Jesus came to this earth? One of the things he came to on this earth to get was the authority that was given away. And you remember in the temptations, what did the devil offer him? I'm going to give it all to you. Here's a shortcut way. Just bow down to me right now. It's all yours. Shortcut way. 
Don't take a shortcut way. David just took a shortcut way. Well, the plan of God has not been coming about. So, I just need to help it along. Have you ever felt that way? I just need to help the plan of God along. I mean, it's... I know God wants to do this. He told me He wants to do it. I know He wants to do this, but it's just not happening. I'll just help it along. He said, Let it rest on the head of Joab and on all his father's house, and let there never fail to be in the house of Joab one who has a discharge or is a leper, or leans on a staff or falls by the sword, or who lacks bread. So Joab and Abishai, his brother, killed Abner. Brings Abishai in on this too, because he had killed their brother Asahel at Gibeon in the battle. Now Joab acts to avenge Asahel, but perhaps also to protect David. I kind of think that there was that protection part of, of Joab going on too. Beside that, he can get revenge. Verse 31, Then David said to Joab and to all the people who were with him, Tear your clothes, gird yourself in sackcloth, and mourn for Abner. And David and King David followed the coffin. So they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. Now, we've showed you Abner is not the highest grade people out there. He's going against the things of God. And David is here honoring him. David shouldn't be here honoring him. He is honoring a man who does not honor God. He shouldn't be doing that. People today, we bring honor to people who do dishonorable things. That's, that God is not in that. We bring honor to people who walk dishonorably towards other people. We shouldn't be doing that. People are out there spouting their, their truth of how many genders there are, and people give them honor. No, there's two genders. God made them male and female. That's it. There's only two. You can come up with anything else you want to, but God only made two. I love that uh, that Facebook meme that was going around. I think I put it up on my page before. It's amazing that when people go in and dig up these fossils, they only find males and females. That's it. That's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, that's all God made. God made male, made him female. That's it. People are trying to make other things, but God is not in that. Yeah, but you don't know what, I don't, I know exactly what. The devil has gotten in there and is telling them lies. You're not a girl. You're really a guy. You're not a guy. You're really a girl. That's a lie. It used to be that people had enough sense they could look in the mirror and figure it out. We don't have enough sense like that anymore. <laughs> we're confusing stuff. See, we're bringing honor to things that are not honorable. David right now is bringing honor to something that is not honorable. And David is wrong for that. The Bible doesn't say it. The book of Samuel is done in such a way that it states what happens. It does not always tell you whether it was good or bad but it tells you what happens. Remember, God said don't multiply wives. What's David doing? Multiplied wives. Did we find that the Word of God condemned it? No. Because that's not the purpose of Samuel. When, he, when the author wrote these things down, he's just there to, to write what down, down what happened. You should be able to figure it out. So he tells all the people, tear your clothes, 
put sackcloth on, mourn for Abner. So he's going to make everybody else, because he's king, he's going to make everybody else follow suit and go in the same mourning pattern and do the same thing, give an honor to the same stuff. Does that sound familiar at all? Have you ever seen where this has happened before? That a couple of people think that certain things ought to be honored and so now everybody has to? I don't know if you could think of anything like that. I, I couldn't right off the bat, but... No, there's an awful lot going on in our world right now that people are being forced to give honor to. And we need to stand up and say, I will not honor what God does not honor. So they buried Abner in Hebron, and the king lifted up his voice and wept at the grave of Abner, and all the people wept. The king sang a lament over Abner and said, Should Abner die as a fool dies? Your hands were not bound, nor your feet put in fetters. As a man falls before wicked men, so you fell. Then all the people wept over him again. And when all the people came to persuade David to eat food while it was still day, David took an oath saying, God do so to me, and more also if I taste bread or anything else till the sun goes down. I'm pretty sure God is sitting up there and says, David, what in the world are you doing bringing me in on this thing? Now all the people took note of it and it pleased them since whatever the king did pleased all the people. See, just because you like what a person does doesn't mean you like everything that they do. You may like certain things that a certain politician or a certain preacher or a certain minister or a certain group does and you may like a lot of what they do but you still got to take it well hold on a minute I like a whole lot of things you're doing I don't like that that's not what the word of God tells us to do you ought to stand up and say so Daniel when he was in the Nebuchadnezzar's kingdom he liked Nebuchadnezzar he had a fond affection for Nebuchadnezzar but when Nebuchadnezzar stepped off and started doing things wrong Daniel called it out and he told him that's not right you got to be able to do that. Anyway, where do we leave off at? 36. For all the people and all Israel understood that day that it had not been the king's intent to kill Abner, the son of Ner. Then the king said to his servants, Do you not know that a prince and a great man has fallen this day in Israel? Really? Have you ever heard somebody in our society who's been called a great man who was not? What's, what's amazing is all this movement to pull down statues and everything else. They're pulling down the statues of great men and not understanding what they did. They just pulled down the statue. And some of the, some of the statues these people are pulling down stood for the cause that they say they're going for much better than they did. We don't understand what a great man or a great woman is anymore. We're just giving honor to all sorts of stuff. And I am weak today, though anointed king, and these men, the sons of Zeruiah, are too harsh for me. The Lord shall repay the evil doer according to his wickedness. Well, if David really did believe that, then he would have executed something. He didn't. Chapter 4. When Saul's son heard that Abner had died. Who? Not king. Saul's son. If you ever hear me, go about certain leaders and I don't call them by their title. No, it's not accidental. And I told you this recently, the, the, the one I will not call. But that's, that's not accidental. The Word of God here leaves that off. You find another person. You can find kings who worshipped idols, who led Israel into idolatry, and the Word of God still called them king. But not this guy. He's Saul's son. When Saul's son heard that Abner had died in Hebron, he lost heart and all Israel was troubled. Well, see, he lost heart because 
All right, I don't like this guy. He makes me scared, but he's the only reason I'm in power. Now Saul's son had two men who were captains of troops. The name of one was Vana, and the name of the other was Rakab, and the sons of Rimon, the Berothite, of the children of Benjamin. For Beroth was part of Benjamin because of the Berothites fled to Gittim and had been sojourners there until this day. Verse 4, Jonathan's son Saul had a son who was lame in his feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel and his nurse took him up and fled and it happened that she made haste to flee that he fell and became lame in his feet. His name was Mephibosheth. How many have ever heard of Mephibosheth? How many have uh, believed that the reason that Mephibosheth is lame is because of David? Anybody ever heard that? Yeah. Why did he become lame? Because the nurse was afraid. Who was she afraid of? David's not over them. When Saul, son, Saul and his sons died, who took over? Abner. And then he put in Ishbosheth. Now the word of God told us that Ishbosheth reigned for two years. So apparently there was a long battle that went on in order for that to happen. And Ishbosheth is still alive at the beginning when David rules over all of Israel. He, he dies right there at the, the end of that seven and a half year period. So you got five years unaccounted for. Those five years are probably because the northern kingdom was put in disarray because of the battle that the Philistines won over Saul split that northern kingdom. And they had to work to try and re- reunite it. When they finally got it reunited, then they probably put him in, in place. They were probably just very distracted trying to get that battle going on. So Abner was out there fighting the battle with the Philistines probably for the five years. And this is why he grew strong and why his hand became strong over the over the house of Saul. And then he took Ishbosheth and he put him in. But if this woman is afraid for Mephibosheth's life, who is she afraid of? David never had charge over that area of the world. Now, he may have been told that it's David's fault. But David's not over this group. He came over to Hebron and Judah made him king. The northern ones, they didn't make him king. So it's not that they were afraid that David was going to come in and kill Mephibosheth. But if they were afraid that Mephibosheth was going to die, who else would have done it? You see, if Abner may have been looking for the weakest candidate that he could get, just somebody basically inept that he could just muscle over and power over. And maybe Mephibosheth wasn't that person. Maybe Mephibosheth was a stronger person. And so the nurse thought, I need to get him out because he'll die. But Ishbosheth was a pretty weak guy. And Abner may have saw, this is the guy that we can put in as a figurehead and I can run the country because Abner was running the country. Did you know that kind of stuff went on in the Word of God? It did. Nothing new under the sun, is there? So that was verse 5. Then the sons of Rimon, the Berothite, Rechab, and Banah, set out and came at the heat of the day to the house of Ishbosheth, who was lying on his bed at noon. Why is a king lying on his bed at noon? He's lazy, he has nothing to do. He's taking a nap. I don't know what it is. He's lying on his bed at noon. He's a king. He's supposed to be up doing some stuff. He's out there sleeping. Lounging around. 
So they came on in. Now these are a couple of people that said, this guy's not supposed to be rolling over us, so we're going to go take care of it. And they think they're going to get highly honored for this. They're not. That's not how God does things. And they came there all the way into the house as though to get wheat, and they stabbed him in the stomach. Then Rechab and Banah, his brother, escaped. And when they came into the house, he was lying on his bed in his bedroom. And they struck him and killed him, beheaded him, and took his head, and were all night escaping through the plain. And they brought the head of Ishbosheth to David at Hebron and said to the king, Here is the head of Ishbosheth, the son of Saul, your enemy, who sought your life. Any reference to king in there? And the Lord has avenged my lord the king this day of Saul and his descendants. See, they called him king. Now, if you wonder, why did these two people come in here and do this? If you remember in your, in your history, if you've read other places in Scripture, do you remember that David encountered a famine? And when they sought after the Lord, they said, why have we encountered this famine? And the Lord said, it is because of the treatment of the Gibeonites by the hand of Saul. You remember who the Gibeonites were? How I many do not know who the Gibeonites were? Don't be, don't be embarrassed, you're not. It's, it's kind of just a one little chapter thing. The Gibeonites, and you'll know this as soon as I tell you, the Gibeonites are the people who came to Joshua and said, we have come from a far country and we have come to make a covenant with you. And Jonathan, or Joshua said, well, if you come from a far company, a far place, don't worry about it. Oh, no, no, no. We, we really want to be a covenant with you. And so they did. And then Joshua found out they were within the land. Oh, he's mad. People are mad with him. But they honored the covenant and the five kings came down to wipe out the Gibeonites because they made the covenant. And so Joshua rose up with all the people that went against the five kings, had a big victory, and so forth. But they made them, they came up to him and said, look, you guys lied, but we'll still honor the word. And so they still honored it and they made them to be, uh, you know, water catchers and uh, just laborers in the, in the kingdom. They said, oh, that's great. It's better to be a laborer and alive. <laughs> So that's what they did. And so these are them. And Saul was just, he's just mad. These people lied to us. There's no reason that we should have it because Saul was not a man of honor. Joshua was. And so he began to kill and to afflict some of them. And so then this thing came down upon them. These folks are from one of the cities, Baroth, that is of the Gibeonites. So if that tells you why they were kind of mad at the house of Saul... It's the house of Saul that oppressed them. Maybe it even killed some of their relatives. And they said, we're going to take care of this. And we'll go down to David and show him what we did. So verse 9, But David answered Rechab and Benah, his brother, and the sons of Rimon, the Barathite. And he said to them, As the Lord lives, who has redeemed my life from all adversity, when someone told me, saying, Look, Saul is dead, thinking to have brought good news, I arrested him and had him executed in Ziglag. The one who thought I would give him a reward for his... His news. How much more when wicked men have killed a righteous person in his own house on his bed? Therefore shall I not require his blood at your hand and remove you from the earth. David's view is a little skewed here. He's calling him a righteous person. Isbosheth is not a righteous person, which is why he was put in that position. But of course, David's already got some of his views messed up on this. So David commanded his young men and they executed them, cut off their hands and feet, and hanged them by the pool in Hebron. But they took the head of Ishbosheth and buried it in the tomb of Abner in Hebron. Well, Ishbosheth was Abner's guy. Might as well bury him with him. So they brought the hands, the head, and all this sort of stuff, brought it over to him. But David is not pleased. Now, should David have agreed to this union? 
Absolutely not. He should not. We've been talking about this on Wednesday night, and if you haven't been catching up on the, the podcast on the, the Wednesday night, um, I hope you can get encouraged to, to go out there and to do this. But we've been talking about different levels of understanding, that there are two lower levels of understanding that we've uh, highlighted and two higher levels of understanding. The two lower levels of understanding are a flesh understanding where you just see the, what the Word of God says. Remember, people come up to you and they say, Judge not, lest ye be judged, and they throw that at anything that you do. That's a flesh-level understanding of the Word of God. They don't understand what it is they're talking about. They just see what it says, and they say, well, what you're doing is what they're saying not to do. And, of course, they're wrong, but you can't tell them that. They have a flesh-level understanding of the Word of God. There's a reasoning level of the Word of God where you can take several scriptures and come up with an idea of what it means and still be wrong. But you reasoned it out, what it, what it would mean. But that's, these are all lower levels of understanding. And if you have one of those lower levels of understanding in your walk, then you will be hindered. There are higher levels of understanding. One is the level of wisdom, where God gives you wisdom as to what His Word means. He gives you the understanding of it, and wisdom comes from it. Wisdom is the correct application of knowledge. But you, under, you have to understand the knowledge before you can correctly apply it. That's the wisdom level. Then there's the revelation level where God just opens your eyes up and you see stuff. I didn't see that before. Those are the higher levels of understanding. And that's what we need to walk on. Now God leads based on knowledge and make sure it's God-given knowledge. He won't just lead you because you have some knowledge. It has to be God-given knowledge. And He will lead you on that. But a flesh level or a reasoning level of understanding will see the end results as a green light when you are at an intersection in life. You come to a place, how many people, can you remember the last time you were at a place in life, you had an intersection, you had a decision to make? Go left, right, straight, whatever it might be. And so you're looking at, well, I think God wants this to happen, so I'll go this way. David is looking at that. He has an intersection. Abner has met with him. And David has a decision to make and he says, I see this as a green light because God said I would have the kingdom, therefore this must be God. And he goes out with it. But he's got a flesh level understanding that he's working on here, or at best a reasoning level. He has not sought after God. Isn't it amazing that the guy who says, after Saul dies, God, shall I go up to Israel? To any of the cities of Judea? Yeah, you should go up. Which one? Go to Hebron. Okay. This same guy who would make this kind of inquiry just decides when Abner's there, oh, I'll go ahead and do it. I'll go ahead and go this way. Now, Abner has some persuasion that he's using. Most of these people in these positions have some way of persuading people to do what they want. And I'm sure that he used all those tricks on David. And David went that way. This is a, this is a once, one-time offer, David. If I go back to Israel, it's off the table. If I go on assumptions or a weak understanding, I will miss God and I will fail in His eyes. If I make a decision based on assumptions or a weak understanding of His word or His will, I will miss God and I will fail in His eyes. You see, a flesh level or a reasoning level understanding sees your circumstances as the vehicle God used to get you where you need to be. That is such a low level of understanding. And so many Christians walk in this. 
They look at their circumstances and they say, well, God brought me here and then this happened and then this happened and then, glory to God, good things came about. So God must have ordained these things because it brought me to here and that brought it about. That is such garbage. People in, in, the, in the church should not be believing this. These are the same people who have believed or have taught that Joseph needed to be sold into slavery, then he needed to be put into prison so that he was in the place that God could promote him from. That is such a low level of understanding and you have just limited God into what he can do. That is not what that story tells you. What that story tells you is no matter how active people are to keep you from what God said he would do, God will bring you out of the very prison to get it accomplished. If he needs to. But that is not the only way that God needs to accomplish it. See, these are the same people who look at Esther and they say Esther needed to do the things that she needed to do in order to bring about God's deliverance. That is wrong. We spent time going through Esther and showed you all the places where this is not godly, this is not godly, this is not God. What, did God just take his word and put it on hold and say, we're going to put all this on hold. We're going to have one of the children of God marry into the harem of a heathen king who worships idols, she's going to be subject to that all the days of her life just so that I can do what I want to do. Do you serve a God who is that limited? But you see, people, they have a limited view of their circumstances. And because these circumstances ended up working out, then therefore my decisions along the way must have been God-ordained and the people who say that will look at the life of Joseph and say, God had to have his brothers sell him into slavery. God had to have the people sell him into Potiphar's house. And God orchestrated all these kind of things. Isn't it funny how God can suddenly make all these decisions for people, but he doesn't make them get born again? How is it that God does that? How is it that we can have a wall that separates these things? If God can't make you get born again, he can't make you sell someone into slavery. They did that because of their own selfish ideas. Because they were close to being heathens, those brothers were. They were terrible, those brothers. Don't limit God by your circumstances. And please understand this. Do not take an interpretation of your circumstances as God. You gotta, you gotta look in that circumstance and get some wisdom. You gotta do like Joseph did. Joseph got the dream. We haven't gotten to the, uh, to the answer on this thing yet, but we are getting there. You know, it's not going to be like Lost. Anybody watch that show Lost? What a garbage waste of time that was. <laughs> Get there to the end, it's like, oh, you got you you had me watching this show for... Oh, I was so mad at that. Man, that was just stupid. <laughs> but this is not like that. There's, there is an answer there that we can see in the Word of God. We're going to find out what happened because God did not give him the dream for the reason that most people teach it. And those dreams don't mean what most people say that they mean. But fortunately, Joseph pursued it. He said, I need to know what these dreams mean. mean and he found out what they were. And uh, it's far more enlightening when you find out what he really says. You see, in reality, most people who have the mindset that my circumstances are this way because God ordained them. Well, they find themselves in circumstances. These circumstances limited their choices. And their limited choices cause them to get into the will of God. 
I don't have too many choices. God, I got to trust you on this. Ever heard that? I have no choice but to trust God in this because I can't see. Well, that's where you should have been to begin with. But most Christians, if you give them complete liberty and complete freedom, they will choose to move away from God. Joseph is not one of those people. If God told him to do something, he would have done it. He's in a place where he was forced into this. He didn't put himself in there. Most Christians, if they had more freedom, they would probably have chosen a way that would have led them even further away from the things of God. Or even put them in a place where they they couldn't. We, freedom, God calls you to a place of freedom. Freedom is a, is a you can make, cho- I can make choices. I can decide to do things. I can decide to be in the will of God. Abraham was free to make choices and he made choices of faith and God said, because of your choices of faith, I can bless that. But there are other people out there, their, their, their hand is forced. I only have two or three choices. I guess I'll take this one. This one seems like God. Our own disobedience leads to a lack of freedom and forces us to trust God. No other choice, but that's not God's best. That's not what God wants you to do. I wrote this note down. I don't think I put it in your outline, but the way of flesh leads to bondage, which is less freedom. The way of the Spirit leads to liberty. That's more freedom. But the choice is yours. The way of the flesh leads to bondage. That's less freedom. The way of the spirit leads to liberty. That's more freedom, but the choice is yours. Not everybody walks in a place where freedom will benefit them. Some people, they just just tell me what to do and I'll do it. And that's a low-level walk. God is looking for people who, when he gives them the freedom, they decide, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to do what God said to do. And the devil tries to pull them off base. Here's here's this temptation. How about going after this? Look at this thing over here. And they say, no, this is what God told me to do. This is where God told me to, to move into. This is what I'm going to do. See, Abraham was not always that way. Abraham came down to the promised land. God said, this is where I want you to go. I want you to go to the promised land. I want you to go to the land of Canaan. He gets to the land of Canaan. Remember what he found? Famine. So what's he do? He leaves. Why? Because God told him? No, because he had the freedom and he decided to go on down to Egypt. God didn't tell him. And as we spent time before looking at that, we saw that God didn't speak to him again until he got back in the land of Israel, land of Canaan. So we have these low-level understandings of things that that come out. And um, I don't know, I let the cat out of the bag on this one. I've been mulling on this thing for a couple of years now. And it's just one of those things I mull over. I haven't really seen any spiritual value in, 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 in saying this, but we were at a conversation in the family and so um, I, I kind of let it out of the bag. So uh, <laughs> I'll let it out of the bag here for you too. Here's a low-level understanding that people have of the Word of God. People understand the Word in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. He had the Garden of Eden, all that sort of stuff. Most people picture the world as a state where nothing was aggressive, Nothing killed and nothing ate each other. Isn't that how most people picture it? This is the world? Yeah, You know the Bible never said that? The Bible never said that's how the world was. The Bible said that's how the garden was. Now when he punished Adam and Eve and he kicked them out of where? 
kicked him out of the garden. Into what? Into the world. If the world was the same as the garden, what punishment is that? Is there any punishment? Now, here's what made me think about all that sort of stuff. And I think about a lion, the way God made a lion. How do you make a lion? What do you make a lion to do? I say lion because he uses the lion in the word. What did he make? God, what did God make a lion to do? He did not make a lion to eat fruits and vegetables. Right? He made every part of that lion able to kill stuff and eat it. How did he make a leper? Lepers are fast. They're made to kill stuff and eat it. How did he make a shark? Shark is made to kill stuff and to eat it, right? Yep. And their, their bodies are made to digest the things that God made them to eat. What happened in the fall of men? Did God suddenly make all the animals? Oh, sorry, lion, you can't eat vegetables anymore. I need you to kill stuff. So I'm going to change your teeth, change your claws, change your muscles, change everything about you. Now, now here's the thing about it. In the garden, this isn't happening, which means what's not in the garden? Lions, tigers, and bears. Did not Adam name all the animals? So how does Adam name the animals if they're not in the garden? If not all of them are in the garden? Because Adam could leave the garden. And he could leave the garden with God. And they could interact with the world. So when Adam fell, he knew what was going on outside of the garden. And he knew what went on inside the garden. And when God says, you are no longer in the garden, and the garden is actually called up into heaven... Adam is now on the earth the way that it all was. Now, you can disagree with me if you want. You'll find out when you get to heaven I was right. (laughs) You come up with an explanation as to how all these animals are remade in the fall. I don't know. I just think about stuff like that. You see, we have settled for some low-level understanding. And that low-level understanding is taking freedom away from you and is putting you in bondage and is taking away your liberty. You need to press on. That's one of the things we purpose here at the church. We press in to make sure that you don't have a low-level understanding of things. I don't want you to have a low-level understanding of Abraham, Joseph, Daniel, all these characters. Most of you have been here around. You can say, oh, I know about this guy. Oh, he did these things. And you know about that because you have a higher level of understanding. That's my purpose here as your pastor, to make sure that you have that. Because I know in the end times, you've got to be prepared. And people will not be able to deceive you if you know what the Word of God teaches. I don't care that you know what I believe. I care that you know what the Word of God teaches. I care that you can get back into the Word of God and you can find it. That's why we give you written outlines. That's why every week I write these things out for you. Every Wednesday, every Sunday, I write these things out because you have to have it to go home because I want you to know it. I want you to learn it. I want you to study it at home. I want you to get it. It's imperative that you have this. Because when you have the wisdom of God, you will walk in great freedom. When you walk in low levels of understanding, you will walk in bondage. 
Now, just because you have a high level of understanding in some areas does not mean you will have that high level of understanding transfer over to everything that you got. You got to press in. Joseph knew a whole lot of stuff when he had those dreams, but he didn't know what those dreams meant. He had to press in for that. You got to you got to press in for some things. You got to find out what this thing is. Sometimes people have things going on in their body and they don't know what it is, and the devil says it's this. <sighs> And they just take it. And they go. Oh, I didn't know I had that. Oh. Oh, that's terrible that I got that. Or else they just start talking. Well, I think it's this. Well, I think I got this. Knock it off. Did God tell you? I've told you some stories. You know, before I went to the hospital, God told me what was going on. Before I've had certain things, God told me this is what's going on. I knew what was going on. I told them, this is what you find. And they found it. And... um but I had that from God. But I don't get that from God from everything. There's some things I don't know. I don't know what's going on. But when it does, this is important. If you don't know what God said about a thing, then don't have an opinion on it. You've got to guard yourself against that. If you do not know what God said, don't have an opinion. What do you think about this? I don't have an opinion on it. God hasn't spoken to me about that. That sort of thing yet. And uh, it just... Just go with it. It's, um, it's imperative that you don't accept a lesser revelation. Because once you accept that lesser revelation, you begin to speak it out. You begin to give voice to it. And confusion and every evil thing will set in there. Not liberty. God wants you to be in a place of liberty. Not the, the place of this. The northern kingdom is in uproar. Because Abner is spouting things against the things of God and empowering them to come about. Understand this. People of the world can empower things that are against God to come about. God is very patient. He shines his light down upon it. And he will bring out his thing. He will bring his thing about. David, I said you're going to be king. I didn't say that you had to make it happen. And the plan that David had with Abner, did that bring about the plan of God? Nope. Before Abner even gets home, what happens? He's dead. He's dead. Oh, I tell you what, we got on that on Wednesday Wednesday night. Joseph put his trust in a in a person. Look, when you get the Pharaoh, remember me. Remember me. When you get the Pharaoh, I gave you a nice positive interpretation. When you get there, remember, two years later, he's still down in there. It is real easy when you are waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the promise of God and it's not here. It is real easy to set your focus on something of the flesh. When Abraham was waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the child of promise, what did he set his sights on? The flesh. We got the flesh child that came out. God says he's going to have no part with the child of promise. See, God needs a people who can wait, be joyful, be happy, and be content. But always looking, Father God, I know this is where you're taking me. Abraham finally got to that place. David does too. But this plan that David concocted up with Abner, it falls apart before Abner even gets home. Would you all stand up with me?
There are many things that have happened to you in life. There are situations that go on that you can't explain. Situations that happen to you. Problems that come in. I don't have an explanation. I don't know why they occurred. And just know this. The enemy is walking about and he is ready to give you an explanation. He's ready to tell you this is why it happened. See, God's word is not true. This God's word will not work for you. This will not happen to benefit you. God doesn't love you. God cares for them more than you. All this sort of stuff will come in. And some people have adopted it. Some people have begun to believe it. They took a lesser understanding. And it's hindered their life. It's handcuffed them. It's brought them into bondage. But you see, when the truth comes in, there's liberty. It sets us free. We can let go of all those things when the Word of God comes in and the light turns on. I say, ah, this is what that meant. Now I understand. I can walk in freedom. God wants you to walk in freedom. But you've got to pursue His truth. You've got to pursue His things. You have to have a walk of honor. In that walk of honor, you will understand things in the Scriptures that you didn't understand before because you were never at that level before. You weren't in that place. You all bow your heads with me. If you're here today and you will make this commitment, I want you to raise your hand. If you will make the commitment that you will say, God, there is some lesser understanding that I have grabbed hold of, I'm sure. And I pray right now that you expose it. I pray right now that you show me where it is, that you expose that lesser area, and that when I see that new, I will embrace it. I will grab hold of it no matter how much it rocks my boat. (laughs) Will you raise your hand with me if you'll make that commitment? Father, you see the hands of those that are raised right here. I thank you that you will honor that, that you will begin to show them things that they have believed in their life that are not true, that are not of you. But you will show them what is of you. And you will bring to them liberty where once they had bondage. Give you the glory for it in Jesus' name. Amen.